Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. Pray with me, friends. O God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your Son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth that in your good time all nations and races may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning, my beloved friends, and welcome back to this Lenten journey. Forty days we set aside every year to consider who and how we are living as followers or disciples of Christ. It is, by the standards of the world around us, not an intuitively appealing season, is it? Who of us gravitates towards an extended time of spiritual self-inventory coupled with various iterations of deprivation? I shared last week that I understand many of us, me included, may also struggle with this season and its descriptors as a penitential and sacrificial season, because in that invitation, we hear the all-too-familiar tone of love the sinner, hate the sin narrative, and that simply, in the end, is not helpful, is not life-giving, and not meaningful to any of us who have suffered at the hands of the church. I completely understand any and all resistance to this season for those reasons, and I still want to pull us forward into it and embrace the gift that we may find together through a spiritual posture of humility and inquiry. So this year I am trying to name whatever challenges us about Lent and help us to reorient as a community so that we can still embrace a time of deep reflection and truth-telling. And all of these things needing to be called out in the church today for understanding and realignment, healing and reconciliation, the work of exposing and engaging our complicity in seasons and systems of racial oppression rise to the top this day. This is work we must do. This is work we need to do together. This is fundamental to our Christian vocation, to our identity. It affects every aspect of how Trinity is evolving and growing as a faith community, rooted in justice-seeking love and walking the way of Christ. We are learning to tell new stories, stories rooted in a complicated history revealing complicity to systems that have not always aligned with our gospel mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. 
we are learning to look for and to listen to the stories of omission and commission in our history, both in the narratives in the church and in the country we live in. We are learning to rewrite the narratives of our own lives, integrating and interrogating anything that keeps us, keeps us separated from being agents and receivers of fierce love. That is why this season we are embracing the Episcopal Church's initiative called Becoming Beloved Community. I believe using this model during this season helps focus our collective hearts, moving us closer to what has been beautifully described as the beloved community, a dream promoted by Martin Luther King Jr. and articulated by others before him, crafting a dream for us to live into a community of multiracial, justice-seeking, reconcilers and healers promoting fierce love through all we say and all we do in the world. Last week, I explained each week we will hold up one of our five baptismal promises each week and explore when held up to the gospel text of the day, what invitation or challenge or insight might be waiting for us to discover together. The Becoming Beloved Community Initiative offered churchwide to the Episcopal Church starting in 2017 also uses the imagery of the labyrinth to underscore the importance of remembering that this journey is not linear, nor will it ever be fully completed. Instead, the circuitous route we travel in this work to become a community that is multiracial and justice-seeking, full of reconcilers and healers, requires persistence, humility, and courage, and the ability to double back to where we have been before, touching places we have traveled to before, but each time discovering something new and fresh to carry forward. Today, we move on to the second baptismal promise we make, and that comes with questions of core identity. Our baptismal question is, will you persevere in resisting evil? And whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord. And our word for today from the Becoming Beloved Community Initiative is truth. Today, we are encouraged to ask ourselves, who are we? What things have we done and left undone regarding racial justice and healing? In the gospel text today, we meet Jesus closer to the end of his ministry than to the beginning. It is a scene in which truth-telling seems to be a dominant theme. Whether it is Peter speaking his truth, revealing his fear that Jesus is telling them that he, the Messiah, is needing to go away, or Jesus' following truth-telling to the crowds and to the disciples about the magnitude of what it will cost for anyone to become a follower. In both, we hear how imperative that it is to tell and hear and live our truth out. Becoming beloved community pushes us to find new stories through telling the truth of where we have been, who and how we have or have not emulated the love of Christ in our lives. I am the first to admit that even with our best of intentions, 
Our stories reveal patterns of exclusion as well as inclusion over the years. In order for us to move forward into the dream of becoming beloved community, I think we need to hear Jesus's truth-telling today and wrestle with what it means for us. What will it mean for us to deny ourselves and take up our cross to be a follower of the way? What will it mean for us to lose our lives in or in for the sake of the gospel? In short, to reorient our hearts around a new story of what it means to become beloved community. I have someone else I want you to hear from today on this topic of truth-telling. She will be familiar to those of you who have joined me on Wednesday nights for our Film and Race Dialogue series. She is the Reverend Renee August. She's an Anglican priest and a veteran of the anti-apartheid movement. In 2003, she helped establish The Warehouse, a worshiping community organization in Cape Town, South Africa, that walks alongside churches as they seek to tell the truth and respond to issues of poverty, injustice, and division in a city that still to this day lives in the aftermath of some of the worst inequality in the world. I want us to listen to her message about claiming an identity of truth-telling, an identity that confronts the lies we have not only been told, but also continue to tell ourselves and continue to believe. Lies about who we are and the need to work hard to reshape the narrative of our Christian story. Hear her beautiful invitation to speak the truth in love and embrace an identity of the beloved. Well, growing up in South Africa, um, I was born into an apartheid South Africa where it was legislated that I was inferior. It was legislated that I was a, what they called a minority, even though black people were in the majority. Um, it was legislated that I would be stupid. It was legislated that I would not have any skills and not be given a good education and that I would have limitations placed on me based on what I could do, what I could study, where I would live, what my future would be. And I mean, that's just the beginning of it. And so <clears throat> my father always asked us questions um, about our opinions. He would always say, what do you think? Um, because he said, if you don't learn to think for yourself, then you will believe everything people say about you. And um, I soon realized once my world began to open up and I studied and began to have encounters with white people, I was like, hmm, I'm not so stupid. And, and the story that gets told about white people was that they're going to take everything that you own. They've taken all our land, they've taken all our opportunities, they've destroyed our homes. White people just want to take from you. And then I met white people who, that wasn't the case, and so I had to reframe my ideas about white people and whiteness. Um, the country legislated that people who were classified black in every way were violent, evil, criminal. Um, and I needed to reframe what a crime would be because it was legislating that I must not love my neighbor as I love myself. And so how do you criminalize love? Um, for a black and white person to marry each other, 
was called an immorality act. Um, and so now what's immoral in my country is not that black and white can be together, but that there is such a large disparity between rich and poor. Um, and, and that we find that story, that narrative plays out in a country where we are 80% Christian and we say we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And so there's, there's a mismatch of that narrative. Um, and it's embedded in each one of those are lies. Um, lies about myself, lies about the other, lies about who we believe Jesus to be um, that need to be reframed and reshaped. But it's not as easy as just saying, I'm done with that lie. I'm taking on a new truth. It's like you know the truth, but then you need to work it out in relationship and life. And that's kind of how new narratives grow for me. I would like us to interrogate more intentionally um, the, the work that Jesus invites us to around forgiveness, especially, um, because I think forgiveness is very misunderstood. Um, to forgive is not to condone injustice. Forgive is not to say injustice is right. Forgiveness does not mean that we accept what is wrong and we don't tolerate injustice ever. Um, forgiveness is a tool of healing and a currency of the kingdom. Um, and in the way of Jesus, it must cost. Um, it must cost me. And <clears throat> it's an invitation to say, come and learn a new story about yourself. Come and learn a story of yourself who is compassionate, who can love, who can be defined by love, who can be shaped by hope and not wounds. Um, come and live in a new story where everybody's invited to not be defined by what's, what I've done or what's happened to me. Um, but let us be defined in a new way by the identity that Jesus gives to us, that we are the beloved, that I'm the beloved, that you are the beloved. Um, and yeah, so that, that would be something that I, I want to interrogate more because, and especially in places of deep, raw pain, that's, that's a very difficult one to hold on to and to wrestle with and to say, what does it look, and why on earth, and where, and what does it look like, and how many times am I expected to forgive? Like Peter came and asked, I mean, that's a valid question. How many times do you expect me to do this? What kind of price do you expect me to pay for this? I mean, this really hurts. Um, but then to remember again, oh, my wound is not my identity. My beloved is my identity. So what could that look like here? How beautifully said, and what a stirring invitation for us today. What I hear and hold close today is the challenge and the promise that telling the truth requires deep questions about identity and yields a new story that is more full of life and love as followers of the way. We are so easily identifiable in our country by nationality and race by sex and sexual orientation, as well as through our life experiences, 
through society, through history, and through our successes and failures. And yet, what August reminds us is that we are never the sum of those experiences. And it is often these qualifiers that actually create barriers rather than bridges one to another, especially in faith communities. What I hear in Renee August's beautiful words is an invitation to courageously put all of that down, or at least aside, in order to come and learn a new story. A story of beloved community, a story where forgiveness is a tool and a currency of the kinship of God, a story where fierce love tells us the beloved is our true identity. A story where the lies of the past can be replaced with deeper truth. May today usher in a new season where we all will find new ways to resist the lie, to live into a new story, and experience bigger love. Stay the course with me, my friends. We have so much to work towards together, to write new stories, to learn to stand together in the truth, to disrupt oppressive systems and embrace the dream of becoming beloved community. May it be so.